0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first episode of the second season of Muddled Thoughts. I'm Ryan. I'm Zach. And this is Max. Today we are going to be starting our album review series. Today's featured album will be Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park. Really looking forward to diving into Ooh, that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But before we jump
1: in, uh, we got to hit the most important part. What's everybody drinking? That's right. This time I got a bit of a special one. I'm doing a um, single malt. Rye whiskey from Twisted Path Distillery here in Milwaukee. Um, very, very good. So I guess it's similar to a Scotch in the flavor. Uh, I guess not the not the flavor, but the complexity to the flavor. Um, okay. When I was first describing it to you, Ryan, it's kind of like a sweet on the head taste, and then it fades away, and then you get hit with all those those uh, rye rye goodness on the very yep, end of the it spicy the spicy rye, rye. so um very good very good whiskey I think it's a limited run down at Twisted Path so if you want some you gotta go and get some soon cause I'm not sure how much they have but uh yeah recommend recommend
2: alright Max what do you got so I am. I literally got the last sip out of the uh, the um old fashioned mix that I had I haven't really touched that in a while, so I'm trying to finish that stuff off. Is that oh. the Soul Boxer? Yes, sir. It's good stuff. And I got it in uh, my Batman glass, too, so... Nice. <laughs> That's
1: <laughs> <Da-na-na-na-na-na>. <laughs> Ryan, what do you got going on over there?
0: I have also. I'm also representing Milwaukee. Probably a rival, maybe a partner. I don't know. I've got a Kanikinik whiskey by Great Lakes Distillery out of Milwaukee. It is. Uh, it's a blended whiskey, so it's a little bit of bourbon, a little bit of rye, and a little bit of malted wheat whiskey. Um, okay. It's only 86 proof. Not quite as knock you on your ass as your stuff zach but uh
1: oh, um, yeah i failed to mention mine's like 130 proof yeah i wish i had so, that
0: here let me send this through the computer to you you send that back all right <laughs> yeah it's good it's um i don't i don't know that they got necessarily the combination of whiskey types right before they bottled it but you know it's it's only 30 dollars, so i'll drink it yeah but,
1: it's better than Better than that, uh, you get some, like, Old Tom's whiskey, whatever. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, R&R.
0: Yeah, I, no. I'm pretty pass. sure they
1: use that to seal decks. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's entirely possible. Alright, sure.
0: well. Sounds like everybody's <laughs> pretty well, uh... We're, we're Pretty primed. well hydrated there. Or well, dehydrated. I'm excited, guys.
1: Think. This is this is gonna be fun. We're at the the start of season two we got yeah. our our new layout for how we're going to be doing things.
0: Yeah, um, I'm ex- I'm
1: excited to
0: be rolling into a new season with a different format and lots of good things to come.
1: Yeah, I I guess I'm more so excited for the I guess it's just more focused. Like it's contradictory to our name cuz it's muddled thoughts, so it was kind of, you know, fitting right. before. But yeah. um with this new season and new topic i guess it's 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 a nice change i guess we'll see how it goes hopefully uh, the people listening like it too
0: yeah the feedback's
1: always good max is probably not looking forward to it though why do you say <laughs> that
3: <laughs> because Cause, it's going to be editing. a lot
1: more editing work going to have well i guess you just got to splice in some song segments so it's not a ton of extra work it's literally I'm
2: just closing times except 2 hours or whatever long.
1: <laughs> yeah Exactly. So yeah, you got
0: that closing times with extra mean.
2: steps. That's what I meant to say.
3: Right. Mhm.
2: Uh,
1: yeah. I guess so we should probably get going then cuz I mean time is a limited cover. Yeah, we yeah. got a lot to cover here. Um, so as Ryan mentioned at the top of the episode, we are going to be going deep into Lincoln Park's hybrid theory. They're pretty much their debut album as far as all things are considered um you could argue that um, they had stuff going on before but it wasn't nearly as popular and under the same band members but that's what we're going into um did you guys want to go into why this album was significant to you in any way yeah i Um, think we can briefly touch on that Yeah, do that first, and then maybe do a short biography or just kind of background information on the band and where they came from, and yeah, go from there.
3: All right.
0: Well, I remember when this album came out. I think I bought it two or three days after it was released and went straight to my friend's house, and we almost wore out that copy of the CD, and immediately, it was the coolest thing I'd ever heard. I think it was the first... Um, like modern rock album that I had purchased with my own money. I felt really? like I wasn't supposed yeah, I think so. I think if it I felt like I wasn't supposed to be listening to it almost because it wasn't Ooh. country or Bruce Springsteen. So
3: <laughs> Gonna get Exile in <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Betrayal.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I I have a very fond memory of hearing this album when it first came out. And I do have to admit, as I told Zach earlier, that I had never, over the 20 years I've listened to this album, I've never picked up the meanings of the songs as much as I have researching for this episode, which is disappointing, but cool. Yeah,
1: I felt the same way going through this. I've been listening to this album for so long. I would say probably since its release, because it was released in... 2000. It was late yep. 2000. Yep. October 24th.
0: Yep, October 24th, 2000.
1: Yeah. So I remember listening to this because of my uncle. It was my uncle who actually had purchased it, and oh man, I maybe it was like set up through iTunes at the time on the yeah. old Dell tower computer. I don't. I don't remember. But uh, yeah, I first remember listening to it because of my uncle. So. That's, my uncle's 13 years older than I am, so that goes to show you. I was only five at the time that this came out. Yeah, right? So what, I would have been eight? Yeah, eight. Mm-hmm. But like you said, Ryan, it, so it was like your first rock album, right, that you had purchased. Yeah. Yep. But for a lot of people, this album was really like, it what it really was a blend of both like rap, hip-hop, and rock all together. It was right. probably the first album to do something like this at the time. I right. think this Again. was
2: like when new metal was starting to be taken seriously. Yep. Yeah. And yep, that, that, exactly. that
1: reminds me of a point that I'm
0: going to bring up in a couple minutes when we start on the the overall album. But mm-hmm. Yeah. A, a funny thing that I, I just thought of with the new metal thing is my friend Cody in high school, he uh, he told me that Lincoln Park was the reason why he started listening to death metal. I don't really know how you make that correlation and that progression into like Slipknot from Lincoln Park, but you know,
1: different strokes. That, I guess yeah, different strokes for different folks, as they say, huh? <laughs> it's all kind of part of that same scene, though. It is. I mean, like yeah. I mean, depending on how you classify new metal, you could argue that. Slipknot would be right there in new metal, right? Yeah, um, definitely. I guess I, oh man, I'll, I'll go into well, actually, no, I'm not going to because it goes with the band's history. So, um, Max, did you want to add anything
2: to how you first got introduced to Hybrid Theory? Honestly, I don't think it was as early as you guys were introduced into it, but. I do remember this being one of the heavier songs my dad really enjoyed, or um, albums. I think, in the end, of course, was the one that got the most uh, radio play, as we all know. Oh, yeah. But yep. um, he had that, I think, downloaded. Like You know when we had LimeWire back in the day? Oh, yeah, LimeWire. We <laughs> had some oh, really boy. jank, low-quality download version of it, and right. he would have that on the iPad Nano, and that would be playing through the car.
1: Man, LimeWire, where every song sounded like it came from the other side of the world through the yeah, internet. Yeah, you,
0: you had one speaker in a tin can, and then another speaker <laughs> on the other side of the tin can,
1: and they were fighting for sound quality through a pinhole. They they recorded it with a potato, an actual <laughs> spud. They just held the potato up to the up to the speaker and just recorded the vibrations. Like, man, I hope this works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, So I have some pretty decent notes here on the album. Um, Did you guys have anything specific written down? If not, I'm more than happy to kind of give a brief overview.
0: Um, I don't have a whole lot. I just know that um, what I was going to touch on before when... um we were talking about blends of genre. That was actually an inspiration for the name of the album. Um, it takes its title from one, the previous name of the band, which was hybrid theory before it was Lincoln park. And then they had copyright issues with a Welsh band. And, uh, it was also inspired by the concept of music theory and combining the different styles because Mike Shinoda had the DJ rap, hip hop style. And Chester came in with the, you know, punk metal rock feel. Yeah. So they wanted to encapsulate the fusion of music styles for their debut.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that was that was perfect. That's pretty much exactly what I was gonna say. um, To start off, was that it? Yeah, it's a hybrid of both rap and metal music. And the I think you maybe you misspoke, Ryan, but the original band that they had was under the name of Zero, spelt with an X. Yeah, I was gonna add
2: that as well. Yeah, and then they.
0: I think they went to Hybrid Theory from there, didn't they? Because of the members that they brought in?
1: Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was
0: okay. Zero, okay. then
1: Hybrid Theory, and then they went to Lincoln Park, which is a callback to Lincoln Park in Santa Monica, I yeah. believe. And they purposely spelt it the way they did, just to because of... I think it was because of copyright issues. They wanted to have the name, but not... Have actually, to deal with copyright. oh, actually, may, I know. There's why. another
2: reason. You know, you know the reason.
1: It's because of the the .dot com wars. The internet domain. About. Yep. Yep. They really? wanted the internet domain. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! I mean, it, when you go back and look at it in context, it was turn of the century, so internet was just starting to boom at the time. So actually, that was if, their whole reasoning.
0: If you go to Lincoln Park's website. You can click into it, and it's an old, like, Windows 98, like, internet browser screen. You did That's that as far their... as your
1: research, too, huh? Yes, I
0: did. That's their homepage <laughs> or their website. It is incredible.
1: It's weird. It's almost, it's organized like a scavenger hunt. Like, yeah. uh, the readme files say, like, oh, I gotta try to boot this thing up again, and, yep. like, and I don't have time to, the to email go. And... Yeah. yeah, I don't have time to do all this, but it's pretty cool. Right. It's pretty cool
0: maybe one day i'll go back and explore a little
1: Mm -hmm. so for those who don't know the band members for lincoln park are the late great chester bennington on main vocals ryan as ryan said mike shinoda um who's like the mc or like the rapping supporting vocals part got brad delson on guitar dave phoenix farrell playing the bass um rob burden on drums and then joe Hahn, who's the programmer and DJ for all of the different songs. Mr. Hahn. I was just going to do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I before we even get into it, I think it's really cool that they gave him a whole song on the album to pretty they much showcase his to. talents. Right. Yeah, they didn't have to. They
0: That's just that That's almost unheard of. I mean, given the the you know, the producer and the mixer and whatever a, a spotlight just to showcase what he can pull off, I think was really the point of that song. But
3: I'm
1: sure we'll get to that. <laughs> did
2: later you guys down also line. know who made the artwork for the album? Do you uh, no, I don't actually. Who who did it? Mike Shinoda did the artwork. Really? He did. Before he was a he, before he was a musician, he was actually a graphic designer.
1: Wow. I did not know that. Did they no, uh, did pulling out all the stops? yeah did they give any like reasoning behind what it is with the the guy on it with like a
2: flag um a little bit so from my research it said um so the album consists of like a jaded look of a soldier in stencil and -hmm. then the butterfly wings around him so it's supposed to convey like hard and soft feelings kind of like what the album consists of right and that makes uh, sense yeah and then there's lyrics around the edges um, but the prominent song that's you see most lyrics of are One Step Closer. Ah, okay.
3: Hmm.
2: Knowing what I know now, or
1: like, <laughs> actually reading into the lyrics, that makes a whole, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay.
2: Which we'll get into why that makes sense.
3: They actually... that's uh,
1: I, the second song. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's the second song, but it's uh, arguably one of the more important songs mm-hmm. on the whole album. For sure,
0: right? I I was just gonna say I really enjoy the cover art, and I just saw recently that they released a Funko Pop figurine of the dude on the Hybrid Theory album cover. Oh, cool! I just put the Damn. link in the
3: in the chat. So. I
2: gotta buy that. I really, yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking them, too. I gotta get that. I've that never bought a sick. Funko just Pop to own figurine. Just that. But... Um. Also, do you know how many? Shows they played during their tour in two thousand one. Thirty. No, right?
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, is it higher than thirty? It's probably way higher. Nine hundred and eleven. No. <laughs> Three hundred twenty-four.
0: <laughs> Damn. Three
2: hundred twenty-four so th- shows.
1: So they were busy almost every single day. Yeah. Pretty much. That does but not surprise just, me. It was just travel time, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get, paid by,
2: get paid by mile. I right. managed
1: to track down a couple of videos of just interviews of them talking about this album. They weren't thinking that the album was going to sell more than, like, a couple thousand copies when it came out. Really? Like, Chester, Chester said, Chester and Mike were in an interview, and they are saying, like, yeah, we thought that maybe we would get, like, Four five thousand album sales and we woke up the next day and there was like ten thousand and then the album wow. you know kept selling and selling and it was just it was beyond their wildest dreams that this happened
3: because
1: hmm. i i don't know necessarily that they knew if it was going to be well obviously they didn't think it was going to be that big of a hit but they just managed to find, like, the right niche in the scene at the time and really hit, you know, what people wanted. I
0: think, yeah, I think it came out at a perfect time just because of, you know, the party scene at the time and, you know, the age group that was into that kind of music. I mean, it hit me real hard. It was, like, unlike anything I'd ever heard before.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So... A lot of the the themes and metaphors kind of go back to like teen angst and a lot of situations that i think that maybe you were well, maybe all three of us were going through at the time when we were growing up just like all these underlying feelings that maybe we had but didn't know yet so right it connected with us on on an emotional level
2: i mean Zach exactly our four and five when it came out but
1: <laughs> i was yeah. real angsty when i F5 was five Okay, yeah. Yeah, man, you were just in
0: and out of you relationships. You wanted that Hot Wheels, but getting emotionally used and, you know.
2: <laughs> like, Mom, I don't want a Matchbox. I want a Hot Wheels. What, what the fuck matchbox? Is this? Rose Art. Rose Art? Match- <laughs> Crayola. only
1: Matchbox is for bitches. <laughs> the wheels aren't as good and the cars don't go as fast. I they don't want know. Infantry Tim. I want G.I. Joe
2: what is that uh i don't want uh, mega Tim. blocks
0: i want money. lego Bits. i want Megos. <laughs> me
3: oh, crank man. the
0: wheel for the train let's get this back on the
1: <laughs> less steam less less <laughs>
2: Uh, (laughs) more coal more coal (laughs) Uh,
0: so anyway (laughs) yes folks the episodes will not change with the next season they're still gonna be all over the place
2: (laughs) (laughs) so I do have some notes on how like the album was produced or who produced it I guess more specifically Mm -hmm. do tell so, um, it was mixed by Andy Wallace, which I think is also the name of a race car driver, but besides the point, um, Bubba Wallace. Bubba. Yeah, well, that's how they differentiate. You know, Andy Wallace was first. <laughs> anyway,
1: they're they're cousins. Yeah, they're
2: distant cousins. So, dude produced a lot of stuff like uh, Avengers 7 Fold, Three Doors Down, Blink 182, Rise Against, appropriately stained i would consider those two pretty similar Mm -hmm. in genres and uh disturbed and even rush damn see i I dug into it a little bit
0: but i didn't see that many
2: yeah wow and um the producer don gilmore which um i think i'll give a little bit of a preview a one step closer was kind of about don and his approach to producing the album to give you a little context on <coughs> what their relationship was like during recording it. Interesting.
1: <laughs> well, who was the, um... who is the producer for Rush that they ended up getting rid of because he wanted them to go, like, a different
2: way? Terry Brown. Yeah, okay. he kind of yeah. what
1: remi- It reminds me of Terry Brown and Rush.
2: Yeah, because they... Because, yeah, with that, I mean... Terry Brown founded them in 76 to record the first album and then record mm. every album till signals. And then they're like, wait, synth. What is this synth? <laughs> we want more <laughs>
1: or sorry. Sorry. That was we just, uh, le-
2: <laughs>
1: that was just, um, Getty. Yeah. Getty just wanted synth. Yeah. But we're not talking about rush on this we're podcast. We're talking about Linkin Park.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, um, okay now that we're at this part with production and everything um i wanted to mention some of the other bands that got involved with lincoln park after um chester's death in 2017 which it's hard to believe that it's 2017 that's yeah. almost three years ago at this point yeah that's crazy. i remember i remember hearing about that almost yep. like it was yesterday i was in chicago at the zoo at the time when i heard it and um like i didn't realize how impactful that news was really going to be um i think that it hit a lot of people in the music industry at the time as well um and i i think that's further highlighted by the event that they did Um, So on October 27th in 2017, just a couple months after Chester had passed away, um, you had people from Blink-182, Korn, Avenged Sevenfold, Yellowcard, Bring Me the Horizon, System of a Down, No Doubt, Orgy, Bush, Sum 41, Machine Gun Kelly, Alanis Morissette, and Steve Aoki um, all showed up to do like a benefit concert in his name so that just gives you the gives you an idea of what I guess the the new metal or like what the kind of influence Lincoln Park had
3: right at
2: the time yeah not even not only just like how many people were influenced by them but how many respected him mm-hmm, for his mm-hmm. craft and his performance and I'm sure they're yeah. all friends with each other too
0: I didn't see the news until I got home from work that day and I just I didn't I I don't even, I don't think I did anything the rest of the night. It was just like complete time stopper. But what I think is really, really crazy is that he passed away on the anniversary of, was it it Chris Cornell's birthday? Because he was really, really close friends with Chris Cornell.
3: Okay. And I think,
0: I, I think it was Chris Cornell's birthday. Because when did yeah. when did Chester pass away? What was the
1: date? I don't know offhand. Um. Okay.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I, I feel like that was uh, that was some there was some sort of connection there because he just couldn't deal with him being gone anymore or something. I read an article on. Yeah. Yep. July twentieth, nineteen sixty four. Chris Cornell was born, and Chester Bennington committed suicide on July twentieth, twenty seventeen.
2: Yeah, that's what I just looked up. So,
0: I don't know, just a weird correlation. I don't understand how that stuff lines up sometimes. But
2: mm-hmm. Whenever you guys see news like that, and especially this one, did you just, like, kind of not even believe it? Yeah, know? most of the time mm-hmm. I don't. You're like, I, I even went to... You, you know how to confirm stuff if you go to, like, Wikipedia, and you make sure, like, okay, this, I, this can't be real, because this is terrible. And then right. you go and you look, and you're like, well... You know what do you
0: do? I did the same thing when uh, Neil, when Neil passed away.
1: Last
0: yep. year.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Kind yeah. of. A, there's not. It...
1: Go ahead. I was gonna say there's not a whole lot that you really can do. I mean, right. It. Unfortunately, that's that's part of life, right? I mean, people yeah. pass away, and the only thing that we can really do now is just to appreciate what they did you know right. and have their legacy live on and have their works be remembered i think that's probably the greatest service that we can do and right. you know that's that's honestly that's kind of part of why we're doing this too is that these are all so not only this album but some of the other albums that we're going to be talking about in season two have had a real significant <clears throat> effect on I, I guess I don't want to speak for you guys but at least for me personally they've had well, a real know, significant effect
0: I know there's one album
1: specifically that pretty much fueled and
0: maintained our really strong friendship Zach between you and I so yep. there's definitely a lot of, lot of significance in this season but one thing I wanted to say is you know a lot of people like actors or whatever people take a lot of they really mourn their loss a lot but like for you and us um being musicians and being so into these albums I think part of the fact when a musician passes away is the fact that we don't we're never going to get another release from these people you know we take mm-hmm. so much pride in the bands and we get so much enjoyment from the music and then one of the members passes away and it's just gone that's it
2: it's like the their releases, their music, and their lyrics are basically like they're the connection between us and them, because we don't know them personally, but we know right. what they're feeling. So it's almost like a long-distance relationship, if you will, between yeah, the artist right. and the listener.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's and, a whole other episode that we could get into, honestly.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. We're already getting up there with time. We haven't even gotten into the music yet, boys.
0: We haven't I even know. gotten in. I know. I knew this was going to be a bad episode. We're we're all so musically driven that it's just we could talk for hours.
1: Well, what do you say, guys? Should we should we start diving in to the music? Do it. Let's do it. First up on the list is Paper Cut. Max, this is where you cue the music in. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was this, uh, I'm trying to remember a uh, single order. Was this the first single from the album? Mm.
1: Does anybody have that in their notes? In terms of singles, huh? Yeah, I no, I I wasn't under the impression that there were any singles off
0: this album because this was there a- were.
1: There were four singles.
0: One Step Closer in the End, Crawling, and Paper
3: Oh,
2: okay. So it was the fourth single. Interesting. And that, they didn't even put that single out until two years later. As a oh, single? Or wow. the third the-
0: single. Yeah. That was the third released single. It reached mm-hmm. number 14 on the UK singles chart in 2001. Okay. Fancy.
1: So... Um. Did you guys happen to write down the lyrics? I I took a glance at your notes before we started. I I don't know if you guys had any of like. I copied all of the lyrics for every single song, so
0: I did not copy the lyrics. I uh, I I
1: put in certain parts. Um, okay. But no. So, I'm thinking this might be a good way to do it. How about? I read some of the lyrics I'll stop when I I have um, notes written throughout the songs kind of like scattered about. If you guys have something you want to say, stop me and we can talk about it. Um, but otherwise, I've got the lyrics. We can go through do some pauses and just kind of go from there. Alright. Sounds Feel. good? Okay. Yeah. So, um, with the with paper cut, we start off with the following lyrics. So, Uh, We got, why does it feel like night today? Something in here is not right today. Why am I so uptight today? Paranoia's all I got left. I don't know what stressed me first or how the pressure was
2: fed, but I know what it feels like to have a voice in the back of my head. So with that, there's like a vocal delay at the end of like each sentence. And that's supposed Mm -hmm. to be like a context, contextual relation to, like, paranoia and schizophrenia? Mm-hmm. I was going to
1: say, like, these first two, like, segments or verses, really, are all kind of trying to communicate how he's feeling when he's paranoid or overthinking things around him. So yep. it, not only are they paranoid, but it's also affecting them physically where they're thinking that they're not controlling what it is that they're doing. You know. Mm-hmm and through that own like Mm. non-control is making them feel insecure so that's what i got it was almost like a feeling of of helplessness coming from
2: Mm. that yeah and you can hear um there's like a little easter egg you can hear like a high like strung guitar part or something like in the way background of the song it's kind of like a another contextual relation to like schizophrenia like seeing things or Hearing things that aren't really there. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I, and that's kind of a theme throughout the whole album, too. Is like, I, I. Do you guys happen to know if Chester was the one who wrote most of the lyrics for this, or was it most, a combined effort?
0: I think most of them, yes.
1: Okay, because that would make a lot of sense. Where he's trying to articulate how these emotions are coming across in his head to the people listening right
0: um, one thing that I found was Mike Shinodo made a note that um, paper cut is supposed to be um, like all of the identity of the band packed into one song which makes me think that oh. everybody kind of had some sort of internal struggle going on and maybe I don't know Chester brought it out or I don't know that, that that I think that gives me more questions than answers as far mm-hmm. as the the writing of the songs because if it's the identity of every member of the band, then the problems could be way deeper than we
3: think
1: right. I agree. when I was going through and doing the research and you know reading all the lyrics, listening to the songs, I really felt like this was a personal story in regards to Chester I didn't really consider the other members of the band having influence over the lyrics in this case. Right. That was just my interpretation but the fact that you say that brings like you said, that brings way more questions than it does answers. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like I, that's, That was the first thing I read when I started my research That's, and from then on I had no idea what to write down for notes because I, I went into it with one perception and on
1: out the window. No Nomas. <laughs> no mas. Um, All right. Sorry. One, one last
0: one last point before we move on. We were t- wondering if Chester wrote all the songs um, from what I can tell um, the mass majority of Lincoln Park songs were something that the entire band collaborated together on. Wow. Wow. So, um, if one member thought something didn't sound right, they would change it until it did, and they all agreed. So that That's brings crazy. a whole nother level of depth to this entire episode because I think Zach, at least you and I, were under the impression that all of these songs were written by Chester and what he was going through.
1: Yeah, correct. So there That's seems to I be s-
0: there seems to be some sort of inner turmoil in all of the members of the band.
1: Maybe not every member, but maybe they at least understood where it was coming. I from. suppose
0: that that could be, yeah. That's that's possible. They were kind of there as a, a you know a support for him.
2: I'm sure mm-hmm. Chester wrote most of the like the first couple iterations of the lyrics, and I'm sure like all the other members had things that they wanted to relate to in the lyrics specifically, right. so they probably changed around a little bit, but maybe. I think if you look online to see the credits for each song I think they do actually have all the members listed as credits for writing the song That's incredible
1: hmm.
0: I You wow. don't get that very often and I wonder was, I wonder yep. if it was because they wanted to kind of distract him from some of what was going on in his head and made, maybe wanted to keep the lyrics from being too dark or if they wanted to support what was going on in his head and you know make sure he knew that he wasn't alone i i don't know i don't It'd know anymore
2: both
1: i don't know anymore yeah. i really don't yeah imagine being like a fly on the wall in that studio what the creative process must have been like oh yeah i, I can only imagine like you said the fact that they all agreed on it that's that's crazy
0: yeah, there's normally a lot of headbutting, and in order to come together and have that teamwork on writing an album is, especially your first album, when you just got together, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, can't even imagine that.
1: Very much a, a family unit, it seems. Right. All right. Want me to continue on?
0: Go. That's all I got for right now. I'll process <laughs> while you read. All right. All right.
1: So, uh, like a face that I hold inside, a face that awakes when I close my eyes, a face that watches every time I lie, a face that laughs every time I fall, and watches everything. So I know that when it's time to sink or swim, the face inside is here in me, right underneath my skin. So, I'll pause here. Um, I wanted to say that, like, they keep mentioning the face. So... This is kind of a theme that comes up in a lot of the other songs, but the face yep. in this case, at least how I'm taking it to mean, is an indication of that it's a different person, right? Yep. This paranoia is always present and it doesn't matter who, when, where, um, it's always there. And it's something that affects nearly every aspect of the sing I'm in my notes I said like the singer. So Yeah, the subject in this case. Yeah the subject matter. So I'm saying the singer, like in this case, like we just discussed the band in this case, it's something that's, you know, it's omnipresent and it can often feel like important decisions hinge on the very essence of like this person's paranoia. You know, the decisions that they're making in their mind are super important, but they're being controlled by someone or something that they view to be not themselves which you know, is paranoia in this case.
0: And going back to Max's point on the the vocal delay in this song and the link to schizophrenia, this is a link to schizophrenia as well. I mean, this could be a voice in their head. The face inside could be the voice in their head telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, paranoia is a very, very big symptom of schizophrenia right yeah so i mean this whole song could just be i mean i don't know where the 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 title comes from i'm trying to think of some relation but
1: i think th- like to go back to the title i think maybe it has to do with the fact that it's manageable like a paper cut you know it's it's annoying it's nagging but yeah. it's there right like you just gonna... you feel it
0: I was just gonna say it's it's shallow, but it's 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 enough to maybe expose the face inside. It's not real mm-hmm. deep, so it's manageable, but it's still a hole, and it's able to let things inside escape.
1: Yeah, I I think it's probably along those lines, where you know maybe it's not super noticeable, but if you are the one that has the paper cut, you know it's you the know one about thing. It. Right, you know about it. You're trying to do everything in your power to make it so that it doesn't hurt, you know?
0: And it might not be Mm life-changing. Yeah. It might not be life-changing, but it's it's painful and hard to deal with at times.
2: Yeah. Max, any thoughts on that? No, I was just trying to think of what that name comes from, but I think you guys have a pretty good idea of how that could possibly relate. Because I thought it was just like a... All right, guys, we got to come up with a name for the song. <laughs> oh, I just got a paper cut. Uh, oh ah,
0: shit! Ah. I pulled this pa- sheet of paper out of my hand too fast.
2: Dude, you
1: got to watch out for those Manila folders. They'll manila. get you good. Those are sharp. Mm,
0: but but the <laughs> vanilla folders are delicious.
2: Those those things got a serrated edge. I swear.
3: <laughs> a serrated
2: edge.
1: there's a there's like a segment in jackass where they take those folders and just cut the webbings of his fingers oh man yeah steve-o yeah no thanks i'll pass that's a hard pass (sighs) okay so now we're getting into i think this is the chorus right
3: Mm mm-hmm
1: yep yeah so we uh, we start off with just Chester saying, it's like I'm paranoid looking over my back. It's like a whirlwind inside of my head. It's like I can't stop when I'm hearing within. It's like the face inside is right. Beneath my skin. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> beneath my skin. And then
1: yeah. uh, we got Mike and Chester saying, um, I know I've got a face in me. Points out all, the, all my mistakes to me. You've got a face on the inside too. Your paranoia is probably worse, and I want to stop right there because of the last line in that. Your paranoia is probably worse.
0: Yeah, so it's trying to normalize their condition and assume that everybody else has it, and they're not an
1: odd one out.
3: Mm-hmm. Which not is only kind that.
1: Of a... Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say not only that, but it also it also gives like a little bit of hope to the song where right. you know, they have. It's almost like rationalization, right? Where they have all these internal demons and feelings, but they're also trying to make it normal, like you said, where, you know, other people are probably going through this too. So, you know, what I have is bad and I don't like it, but there's probably other people out there that have it even worse, as the line said.
0: Like you hit that anxiety point and you go, well, I'm screwed, but then you go, oh, well, no, it's probably, it's okay. Everybody else probably deals with this as well
3: hmm
1: And it it's weird because that line it it sticks out. Like it doesn't rhyme, it doesn't go with the Mm-mm. beat first half of the song. So it's like and, it's it's important to the song and, itself.
0: And there's a longer pause after that line than there is for the rest of that verse. Mm-hmm. Like he sits on that for a second just so it can, you know, soak in.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So they really add emphasis to that and i think it further highlights the fact that they wrote this as a group you know it would be one thing to just say everything else in the song but again they're bringing everybody else into it right they're talking about the listener or yeah i mean they're talking about the listener in this case yeah i think they're addressing the person there I, i mean i don't know if they were maybe trying to
0: connect with people at the time with the changing cultures and whatever, but maybe just giving people a glimmer of hope. I don't know. There's so many, mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: There's so many things that I've, that are running through my head with this whole album, but I know. Yeah. I And that's, so I'm glad you brought that up with like a glimmer of hope because there are, I couldn't tell you the exact spots and the exact songs, but I remember going through all the other ones that, there's like a couple different lines in every, almost every song that conveys the message of just like a little bit of hope, right? Right. The whole, the rest of the song is like real kind of down, like angsty, hopelessness feeling. But then you have a couple different lines sprinkled throughout that give you like a little bit of hope that, you know, hey, maybe things aren't as bad as they seem. You know, maybe right. we can get better. So. That's one of the themes that comes up a lot in this album, Mm -hmm. which it's interesting because I think it would be really easy to just go down that hole and just be down, you know, like, you know, this is, this sucks and I'm just going to wallow in this, but they chose not to. I, I don't know if it was maybe somebody in the band or how they were feeling at the time, but they chose to give listeners a little bit of hope, which I think is a good thing
0: right so, pretty much so
1: yeah all right next couple lines um I don't know what set me off first but I know what I can't stand everybody acts like the fact of the matter is I can't add up to what you can um so we got more feelings of inadequacy further amplifying yep. their feelings of paranoia
0: yep. and um, superiority
3: mm-hmm
1: and that's so before we go any further i just wanted to say that with a lot of the songs on this album i think they conveyed the message in the first half of the song really really well and then repeated it over and over again in the second half <laughs> yeah I agree. like in my notes i wrote a bunch of stuff in the first half and then i have nothing because i'm like yep
3: it's yep, the yeah that's exactly yep, that's how that's the arc. same
0: same way for me yep i'm like well i already <laughs> covered this so we're just gonna see what happens it's like, dude's paranoid, we get it. Right, yeah, he's got <laughs>
1: issues. Not Sports Illustrated. So they uh, repeat the chorus, the chorus again. <laughs> um. So there was one thing that I wanted to note um, with the chorus. So with the, the second iteration of it, they say, so you know that when it's time to sink or swim, the face inside is watching you two right inside your skin. So, they've changed it this time to underneath my skin to underneath your skin. So, So
0: further normalization.
1: Right, right. They're further normalizing that not only is this paranoia affecting them, but they are assuming that it's affecting the other people around them as well. Right. So, I thought it was important to, to note that.
0: Yeah, it went from, you know, venting to comparison
1: yeah um okay so we got this so we got it's like a paranoid looking over my back it's like a whirlwind inside of my head it's like i can't stop what i'm hearing within it's like the face inside is right beneath my skin and then we kind of go into like a weird and that repeats and we go into a bridge section where we have um again they're saying the face inside is right beneath the skin three times but then the important part important part at least to me um is yeah, me chester too. comes in he says the sun goes down i feel the light betray me the sun goes down i feel the light betray me. did you guys have any notes on that part at all i don't
0: i didn't have no i didn't have notes on it but i have a, a lot of you know mental analysis that's just inside my head you know the Sun goes down as a metaphor I think for when you go to sleep and you feel the light betray you when you're sleeping and there's nothing to occupy your time or your brain all of your thoughts just pour in and you can't ignore them mm. um, so at the end of the day when all the busy work is done and it's just you and the darkness and your mind everything just sets in and you really start to realize what's going wrong Mm
3: -hmm.
2: if you think about it too the way he sings the sun goes down it's almost like a lullaby
3: Mm -hmm. it's very very soft and
2: yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: it is it's almost like yeah like a lullaby like going to sleep um
0: yeah
2: yeah i just realized that to be honest
0: I think I think they use the sun and the moon a lot. Like the sun goes down, seems to be kind of, uh, or you know, the sun setting, seems to be a recurring theme in the album. And I think it's just talking about you know when you're alone, when you're not doing anything. At the end of the day, when you're just all you have is you and your thoughts,
3: Mm -hmm. and that's when
0: stuff really sinks
1: in. So what song is it? Um, Yes, I agree with you. I think that this metaphor of like the sun has two meanings um because so i'm kind of jumping the gun but it's important to our analysis here if you go down to song number nine a place for my head it starts with the same metaphor of a sun and a moon so i watch how the moon sits in the sky in the dark night shining with the light from the sun
0: with the sun
1: And the sun doesn't give to the moon, assuming the moon's going to owe it one. So the sun and the moon is a metaphor that comes up multiple times throughout Mm -hmm. the album. And I took the sun to be dual purpose in the case that in this song, they're talking about how during the day when they're around other people, um, you know, they put on a face, you know, that's repeated throughout the song, face inside is right beneath your skin. They're putting on a face to kind of hide these feelings of paranoia from the people around them, but then at night when maybe they're not around people, you know, their paranoia, it really starts to affect them more than it does during the day. You know, they let their guard down. They don't have to act
0: like they're okay anymore.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So, not only does it have that effect of, like, the actual time of day, but, um, I think as we'll find out a little bit later in the album, the sun is also um, a person in their life yeah. as well.
0: I need to, I really, when you covered those lyrics from A Place From My Head, I really had a good analysis on that part. So I need to either cover it now or remember it. Why don't you do both?
1: Okay, you well, could go into it now if it I'll relates reiterate. to what we're talking so, about.
0: So I watch how the moon sits in the sky in the dark night, shining with the light from the sun, and the sun doesn't give light to the moon, assuming that the moon's going to owe it one. So that means that when you're in public, everybody is giving you some sort of, you know, they're lending you their energy, they're giving you the motivation to keep going and hiding your problems without them expecting you to thank them for keeping you going throughout the day.
1: Yeah. That's I what that. I get
0: from that. I mean, so it's like it's like you're just borrowing their energy because you don't have... The moon can't pr- produce its own light. So what he's saying <laughs> oh here...
1: Oh my god, dude, I fucking is, said the same thing down in my nose.
0: The moon can't produce its own light. So it's saying that you're expecting other people to give you their energy to keep going throughout the day. And then while you're alone... There's no longer an external source of energy. Sorry for stealing your notes, but
1: ESP... No, 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 no. I'm, like, super happy that you said that, because that's exactly what I was thinking, too, when I went through it. Yeah, it's it's like... Awesome.
0: It's, it's like... It's external source motivation. I mean, it's... And then once you get back in your own home, away from, you know, the public, you don't have that anymore. So...
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But you don't feel... The need to reciprocate the favor because you assume that everybody else around you is just fine and doesn't need that extra motivation. Right. That's, that's, I wanted to get that out before I forgot it. So.
1: Oh. Well said. Well said. That's all I got for Paper Cut. Anything else from you gents?
0: That's all I got.
2: Max, all good? As well yeah that's i mean you guys covered a lot of context within that that song
1: sweet we're off to a bit of a heavy start here with paper cut man yeah right and i'm and i'm glad that you guys had um different notes on like production and numbers and stuff too with the band like that's why i'm happy we did our notes all separately because i think we all had very different interpretations already i can tell from the first yep. one
2: so oh um, another production now I forgot to add um, guess how many times they pitched their album to labels
0: oh yeah I saw that you saw like it 15 was like, it was like 44. no 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 yeah it was like
2: 50 times
0: 40 times 50 times really yep what was the number max sorry
2: it was 44
0: yeah and they just didn't give up yeah, I I thought that was incredible. Wow. Like they knew 44. they knew they had something.
2: So imagine you have an album such as Hybrid Theory, and some some dude has his indie rock album. Like think about like you have an album that good, you you still have to try to get your music out there. You know. Mm-hmm.
1: Right,
0: and
2: Man, it's,
3: and no not give times. up. Wow.
1: May not, yeah, imagine, May not be can can the first time. you imagine? May not be you imagine playing a
0: demo tape forty-four times? Damn. At, at 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 some point, you'd just be like, "I watch how the moon sets in the sky in the dark night." You fucking <laughs> like the <this> song
2: yet? <laughs> at at some at, at if they were gonna pitch it like fifty times, he would have been like, "I've given up." <laughs> right. <laughs> I've tried so hard. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, it did matter in this case. <laughs> yes, so. it, did. it really did. Uh, oh, man. And with that, you know, we're we're just I think that closes the chapter on song one, and we're one step closer to the end of this album.
0: <laughs> I see what you did there. You shiesty bitch. <laughs> <laughs>
1: let's uh let's (laughs) roll on into song number two on hybrid theory (laughs) one step closer (laughs) do you like that one that was good
3: (laughs) segue that was good
2: never crunched um, so hard in my life Ooh, max is over there so like crazy people I hate you. <laughs> <sighs> all
3: right I guess... so
1: we've yeah you got stuff already
0: yeah well i was gonna say i i feel like the main touch of this song is being in a clo- close relationship but slowly growing apart and realizing
1: why it's happening yeah, yeah. I don't know I if,
0: how that differs from what you have, but
1: um,
2: I gotta. I'm trying to go through my notes here really quick. So, like I like I was saying in the production, I thought this was just a huge middle finger to their producer, but I don't know if they made made the song before they even got in the studio. To be honest, hmm but it may have been just perceived that way after they were in the studio or something. I I can't tell you. Mm-hmm. But I think um I think in the broader picture I think it's just a song that is just if you get worked up to a certain point like you're going to explode in yeah. someone's face.
1: So, yeah. What did you say, Brian? What was your interpretation? Um I I feel
0: like it touches on the mental struggles of being in a close relationship or growing apart and not knowing why it's happening. But also, I don't remember what line it is exactly. I'd have to pull up the lyrics, but there's one that touched me as saying, you know, also having nightmares about being responsible for the decline of the relationship. Like, knowing that part of
1: you growing apart was your doing. Hmm yeah that's and those types of like themes i guess they're touched on a lot more in some of the other songs too i think that like the whole relationship thing is definitely a part of the song but i took it to be more along the lines of just having trouble trying to express the emotions and the feelings that you have where like max said you know you're You're just getting to that point where you're so frustrated with even yourself that you're the only way to like make things better is to get away from everybody else. You know, you're about to, like they say, they're about to break. They're about to explode in anger. So I think that plays into the relationship. Um, But yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't get the whole relationship part of this song just quite yet, but I see where you're coming from. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm looking at the lyrics right now. I'm trying to figure out where I got that from. Um. Yeah. I've got all the lyrics here. I mean, we'll get we'll get to it eventually. Maybe you'll so, find it. So
2: I do know that. Um, I didn't write it in my notes, but I do remember reading it. Uh, there was a note online. I saw that. Uh, with lyrics like lyrical content their producer tried to step in a lot to change things around Mm -hmm. to what he wanted so i think that's like when he says shut up when i'm talking to you i think he kept interjecting into what he had to say in his songs Hmm. so that's kind of where I, i i started to make sense when i started reading reading into it but i think that's where most of the songs anger came from I didn't really see a lot of relationship um, context in this song as much as everything. Honestly, most of the other songs are about relationships. Mm -hmm. I
0: suppose I may have misinterpreted it. I mean, I, I kind of looked at it as everything you say to me takes me one step closer to the edge as being, you know, a fight between two people that are, close to each other but it could it I mean, could be
2: it could be another interpretation from him as well who knows i now that i'm looking at the lyrics my notes you know
3: hmm
1: well let's uh let's get on into it let's let's see if we can oh, decode this message
0: you know what i was reading the next song so disregard everything i just said hey. i was gonna say
2: <laughs> <laughs> Well, the next ones were about abusive relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So
0: on this one, it it said, I said it really speaks for people who have a lot of anxiety and overthink. hmm So yeah. it, Chester's singing about being perfectly content with just blocking out jumbled and repetitive thoughts because you've had them so much that it's just normal. See, at that point And... The yep. lyric "Wish I could find a way to disappear" is wanting a way to run from the thoughts and just get them out of your head. Yeah.
1: So, all right, here. Let me let me go do some lyrics here. Let's, let's keep her rolling. Um, so we got. I cannot take this anymore. Saying everything I've said before. All these words they make no sense. I find bliss in ignorance. Less I hear, the less you say. You'll find that out anyway. So again. Confusion about what it is exactly they're feeling or what they're trying to convey. Overwhelmed by those feelings of, like, anxiety and paranoia that we heard in the last song. And, you know, trying to make the the right decision. Right. Um, So, yeah. Um, I just
0: had a thought. Alright. Do you think... Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to even put... Do you think that the song list of this album is a progression in the, you know, the subject's journey of accepting mental issues?
1: That is one way to put it, yes. And the life struggle? I think that it tells the story of a life struggle and what the collective... I Again, in my notes, I wrote what the singer went through and how yeah, they like, decided to deal with their emotions and what they ended up doing.
0: Yeah, The progression of acceptance or, you know, treatment or what what have you.
1: <clears throat> right. I think Sorry, that the I'll, first... I'll... No, you're... I think you're right. I'm curious what Max thinks about this, but I thought that the first half or, like, most of the album is about describing their feelings and you know the difficulties that they've had with their relationships and then it ultimately gets to this breaking point and their indecision of what they need to do but then it goes into the aftermath of those decisions and dealing with them and you know what that looks like
0: yeah i was just gonna say i think
1: very much the story is told
0: we'll get to it At some point, but I feel like there's a very specific, intentional breaking point between that journey up to acceptance and then the follow through on the Mm -hmm. album. I think there was one song that was specifically placed to separate the two Mm, periods.
1: We'll spoil it yet, but I'm curious as to what you think it is. Yeah. All right. Next, we've got just like, just like before. Everything <laughs> you say to me takes me one step closer to the edge, and I'm about to break. I need a little lo- room to breathe, because I'm one step closer to the edge, and I'm about to break. So, like we said already, you know, all these feelings and uh, indecision, paranoia, anxiety—they're starting to mount. And singer for. A lack of a better word can't, you know, they can't take it
3: anymore. Right. So
2: I wanted to get your opinion on what, so you guys are talking, sorry, this just came to my head. So with the context of the whole album, what, what would you say if I thought it's just a biography of a character that the whole band can relate to? I would agree with you
1: 100%. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly it, how I interpreted the whole album.
2: Yep. Yeah, because it's not, it's not just Chester's feelings, it's not just Mike's feelings, it's like their story being combobulated with everyone else's feelings, what they've been through, and then you know, corrugated into a story that they just made, you know?
3: Right.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, that's, I think that's a pretty accurate assessment of what's going on. So after the chorus, we've got, um, I find the answers aren't so clear, which I could find a way to disappear. All these thoughts, they make no sense. I find bliss and ignorance. Nothing seems to go away over and over again. So much like the line says, um, a lot of the lines are repeated too. And I suspect that like the feelings that they are having are pretty constant. Like it's almost like deja vu to them, you know? Right every time they get into this situation and they can't figure out how they want to, you know, talk about or convey their emotions to the people to the people around them. It's like, it's circular, right? It just, their indecision keeps building on their own a- anxiety. And as a result, they have more indecision. So it's like, it's a vicious circle, right? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, and I've, I've, I've felt that before. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to burden people with, you know, your venting or your questions, and then you wonder what's going to happen if you relay it to people or what's going to happen if you don't relay it to people. So the, the repetitiveness is definitely a big thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So. And speaking of repetitiveness, the rest of the song is pretty repetitive, yeah, so I'm it's... not even going to bother reading it. No. Again, the like the bridge section... Of um, you know, him saying like shut up when I'm talking to you. Um I thought that was really interesting, Max, that you said that was more from a production standpoint than anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So I, yeah. just,
0: I I I see the production standpoint, but I wonder if this connects again to this schizophrenia thing that we touched on in the beginning, because you can't tell the voices to
1: stop. I mean, you can, but I don't know are I what mean, you can, to.
0: but it's hard to. So I wonder if it's more of a, there's, you know, background voices in your head and you're trying to get them to stop, but they don't listen.
2: It could be a combination of both with yeah. someone physically telling you about, you know, someone button heads with you. And then on top of that, the voices inside that are also you're fighting with could be just... Everything that's building you up to explode, right? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, think I, Max,
1: you're, I think Max, you're probably right. It's probably a combination of all these different things, right?
0: People around you telling you that there's nothing wrong with you and you just need to, you know, deal with it or, you know,
1: right? Come on, man, just figure yeah. it out. Right? You got it. I just, just be normal. I, I love that. <laughs> oh, why did that's I fun- think of that? I'll just be normal. I got it.
2: I love that in my notes, I write like little things that I would say, but like, it's funny reading them back at the end of my notes for this song. I'm like, overall, this one's just a huge headbanger.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Against the wall. Preferably with some spikes. <laughs> yeah, wow. I, I, the, I didn't expect, I expected this episode to be interesting, but I, I I'm realizing more things listening to what you guys are saying than I did just listening to the songs and breaking them down for myself. It's, it's turning out to be a much more head turner than I thought.
2: It's, Mm -hmm. it's fun seeing all the notes that we have that we all saw, like independently. We're all like, Oh yeah, I saw that too. But it's fun seeing things that I might know that you guys don't, or a lot of things you guys are interpreting and knowing that I don't know. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's
1: it's half the fun. It's incredible
0: the different um, interpretations that one person can get from a song versus another person. Hmm.
1: And that always brings up, you know, what is the what's the correct interpretation in this right, case? And we may never is know. there a correct interpretation? Ex- exactly.
3: Yeah,
0: and Chester might have through, taken uh, that with him.
2: Even going through, like, Genius, where there's, like, notes on lyrics and stuff per line. Yeah. Some of them are just assumptions. Most of them are just assumptions. Right. They're doing exactly what we're doing. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm.
1: The thing with, like, Genius and looking at those, though, it's not nearly as fleshed out. I think a lot of people, at least in that particular example, look at the lyrics or maybe just the songs isolated. Right? So you only get the meaning that's in the song. But when you consider the song order in the album, like we're doing right now, Max, your point before about, you know, having to tell a story or like a biography of a character that the band agrees with, you don't get that mm-hmm. kind of analysis when you look at mm-hmm. one song.
0: No. no, It's just, oh, it's, it's open-ended, but it's not at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think we've talked about song. this we've talked about this before on the podcast but the medium for how the songs are made like with vinyls or just the order of the songs on like a CD just anything that's like a finite medium, it, it matters and especially with like with bands like Rush, you know, they wanted to fill up the entire side of an album and really give people the most value for their dollar
3: Right. I mean,
1: vinyls aren't they weren't cheap and they still aren't cheap to no. get a vinyl i mean mm-hmm. it's it's crazy how much the actual medium for how you listen to the song plays into why it was done the way it was you know why a certain song was put in this order or why the lyrics right. are the way that they are so well,
2: it's I mean, funny you bring up vinyl too because that was like the first vinyl i bought when i got my collection started hybrid theory yep you have oh, yeah. Hybrid Theory on vinyl?
0: Yes, sir. I don't want to talk to you anymore. This episode's over. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you bring up a good point, though, because, like, with vinyl, you have, a, obviously, a finite amount of space. So, how do you choose which songs go where and where you end the story? You know
3: what, Max? I, yeah, okay. <laughs>
0: um, but... Yeah, you gotta you gotta choose your songs carefully because you have that certain amount of space and you want to get out everything. You want each side to make sense together. Is I guess what I'm saying.
3: So or you can just oh, you just gonna hold it the entire time. Just gonna hold it.
0: As long my, as I have to. Shut my camera <laughs> off.
1: <laughs> it's a good thing we're at the end of the episode. Yeah. Right. <laughs> People, Max's watch this like on YouTube. Tired. You'll
0: get the visual reference. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Fuck you, Max. <laughs> oh,
1: jeez. Well, All right. That's
2: another thing about vinyl too, though. I have to add for people that don't actually buy vinyl or anything like that, you miss out on a lot of sweet artwork. You that do, you get. yes. The sleeve
0: mm-hmm. artwork is incredible.
2: You get to see um, very high-resolution pictures of the band. Um, Some come with, like, lyric sheets and other miscellaneous behind-the-scenes stuff, which I think is really cool. And a lot of vinyls... I miss the
1: lyric sheets.
0: A lot of the vinyls, the the artwork around the center of the vinyl is almost better than the album cover itself. They put, you know, sort of behind-the-scenes pictures or a different iteration of the vinyl... The cover artwork,
2: mm-hmm. right? I exactly. There's a
0: lot of room for um, artistic freedom, as you would say.
3: Mm-hmm. Well,
2: back in
1: the back in the day, like I was back around. back in the day, back in back there. But uh, before you know, digital media was a thing. I mean, vinyls were the main way that bands communicated with their fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, besides going and seeing them in concert or on the radio, I mean, that was how bands, you know, gave information uh-huh. to their fans. So right. there was uh, there was a lot of room, I guess, is a way to put it, to yeah. add little extra extra bits for their fans. You know, whether it's pictures, the lyrics, I'm sure helped a ton of people because they're like, "What the hell did that guy say?" Right? <laughs> and they're like, "Oh yeah."
2: <laughs> to give further um, confirmation on Mike Shinoda's involvement, it says on here literally um credits for soldier drawing mike shinoda and then underneath that it says line art sketches and drawings joseph Hahn and mike shinoda
1: oh
0: wow sick. So okay. cool so they so had they didn't Mr. really Hahn have had some. they didn't really have a lot of external uh help as far as artwork
2: no they, they might no, have felt fine. that what his experience had might have been able to correlate with how they wanted their art direction to go instead right. of having someone else do it. They and also probably
1: fuck? didn't have a lot of money, too, because they were no. just starting <laughs> off, you know.
0: But regardless of, you know, their budget, just the history behind this album is incredible, and I cannot wait to get into the second part of this episode.
1: Yeah. I think you said it, said it well, Ryan. I think that we're already over on time, so we better wrap up part one of uh, the Lincoln Park's Hybrid Theory um, and conclude episode one of season two. We're off Woo! to the races! Yeah, yeah. What's the Start so much. So one chapter. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, for those of you who made it this far and listened along with us, uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Follow us on uh, the social medias. You can find us at the Muddled Thoughts Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, Muddled Thoughts Podcast on Facebook. Um, Again, feel free to send us a message at uh, muddledthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Be happy to get back to you. Um, And I think that does it. And also,
0: subscribe to our newly started YouTube channel, Muddled Thoughts. Is it Muddled Thoughts Cast or Muddled Thoughts Podcast?
1: Um. Let me take a look. I, I think it might just be muddled for this. thoughts. It's so new, I don't remember.
2: Gotta be ready to plug that YouTube channel. Like and subscribe. Like uh, punch
3: that one like, like. bell.
1: It's it's Muddled Thoughts podcast. Okay.
2: On YouTube, so
3: mm. yeah.
2: Gotta do the Davy thing where you slap the camera. Yeah, Davy
3: slap slap like, like now slap
0: slap of the day. <laughs>
1: Alright peeps, till next time, keep it real, don't be dumb, keep a glass of soul.
3: deuces. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.